We're going to get into what I said in the email, which is building the ship. SHIP is an acronym for self-awareness, health, introspection, and planning. And we're going to design the life and family we always dreamed of. And when you start, if you take in what I'm going to share with you in a very short period of time, your life is going to be so much better than you ever thought it could be in such a, in a short period of time. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Welcome to the show. This is the first solo show that we're doing for the Naked Parent Podcast. And I have to say that I've been thinking about doing this show for about a year, almost daily. And week after week, month after month, year after year, I have told myself that I wasn't ready. I needed to learn more. I needed to practice what I've implemented more. I'm not ready to share or teach this yet. And today I'm saying enough of that. I'm saying enough of the lie. And we're going to jump into it. So I'm really excited. I plan on getting a lot better as I do this. And what I realized is the things that I learned that transformed my life that I want to share with you are things that I can share with you and I can share my experience. I was worried about understanding the science behind it in case that scientific mind, well-educated person asks me these certain questions and I felt like I wasn't ready for it. But what I realized is I can only share my experience no matter where I am with it. So if you want to try and break down the things that I'm saying, if you want to try and prove them untrue, you can do that and you may be right. But what I do know about what I'm going to share is that it has taken a broken gutter rat suicidal person and created something that I just can't even believe exists. I can't believe I'm living this life. And I want to share with you the things that I did that transformed my life. So over the next, I don't know how many weeks, we're going to go through those things. I'm going to try and put it in order so that there's a book to be written after that can kind of be our roadmap, our guide for Naked Parent Nation. If you're a writer and you're looking for some kind of content and this floats your boat, then hit me up because I'm not a writer. So maybe you can help put it together for me. 
I don't know how many weeks it's going to take. The first week or two is going to be my story. It's going to be the last time. I believe it's going to be the last time I tell the story. And I'll explain why. Then we're going to get into the big picture. And I think it, the big picture is going to blow your mind. It just, I can't believe I lived for 46 years and just learned some of these things in the last few years. Then we're going to get into where we're getting our advice from and why we're listening to what I think is bad advice. Then we're going to look at the problem. I'm going to call it the problem. Unless your life is going the way you want it, unless you're living a life beyond your wildest dreams, I think something needs to be done because I believe that that's what we're supposed to do on this planet. And as we raise our kids, that's the kind of example we need to lead for them. I don't want to show my kids that life is a grind and it kind of sucks and we just try and figure out how to get by. That's, that's like such a shitty thing to leave our kids. I want something better for them. I want something better for me. So after that, we're going to get into the great news. Let's call it the great news. We're going to get into what we have once we've taken these things and implemented it into our lives, which is still kind of vague. And so I'm just going to not dwell on it. And then after that, we're going to get into what I said in the email, which is building the ship. SHIP is an acronym for self-awareness, health, introspection, and planning. And we're going to design the life and family we always dreamed of. And when you start, if you take in what I'm going to share with you in a very short period of time, your life is going to be so much better than you ever thought it could be in such a, in a short period of time. I don't know if you can just take my word for it or if you can just hang in there until it happens, but that's what's going to happen for a lot of you. And as long as it happens for one of you, then I'm willing to make a fool of myself and start hacking away at some of these solo shows. Okay? So, like I said, we're, we're going to look at my story. We're going to look at it for the last time. And the reason I say the last time is because I believe my story has been holding me back. I believe that my story is a huge crux of the challenges I face in my life. And so I'm going to drop my story because it's not it. The story up until now is over. It doesn't exist. It doesn't, it shouldn't matter. What should matter is living these days with my kids and enjoying the amazing experiences. So whether it's, I want to play the victim for one last time, or I want to share some of the dramatic events that have happened in my life, or I just need to tell it one more time to one more person. I don't know. 
it's, you know, it kind of makes me sick to my stomach now, but I'm going to tell it one more time. And that way there'll be a recording of it. And if somebody really wants to know my story, or if I really feel like I need to share it, then I can just give them a copy of this and they can hear it. And I don't have to go through the affirmation process of saying these things over and over. And most of it is not stuff that I want to be affirming for myself. Okay. So here we go. 1976, I was born in a suburb just north of Detroit. I had two parents, an older sister, three years older. Both parents were school teachers. My mom was studying to get her PhD in psychology and was having clients at night. And she was very Italian and that was the theme of the household and we ate and we spent time together and they gave me as many experiences as they were able with what they had to offer. And for the most part, I had a great childhood. Yes, there were quirks and psychological whatevers. Yes, the religion that they tried pushing on me created trauma for me throughout my life or so I think or thought. Yeah, but that's that's kind of how it rolled. And, and I was an extremist about everything that I've ever done. I was an entrepreneur in the really, really early years with the paper routes and the lemonade stands. And then I wanted to become a professional fisherman. And I would watch the fishing shows on Saturday and I would go fly fishing and I'd go fishing every day before school and I'd tie flies for Orvis Riverbend Company and they'd give me a nickel a fly just to be cool to a young kid who loved fishing and I dreamed of having my own show and I was going to win the Bassmaster Classic one day and have that shiny bass boat and I was going to fish every day for the rest of my life and as puberty hit and hormones started coming in and the smell of fish wasn't doing it for the girls at school, that passion started to fade away. And then it faded with a bang, like a lot of things that you'll hear in my story. I was fly fishing up in Northern Michigan. There was a salmon run and I left my fly reel on top of the car, taking my waders off, got in the car, drove off and realized that I didn't have my fly rod and reel. I had left it on top of the car and it was gone. And I threw away fishing almost for good and didn't fish again for I don't know how long. Then it started, then it moved on to basketball. Basketball was next. I was the fat kid growing up because my mom would just feed me meatballs. And when we'd go see the aunts and uncles, they, you would just sit at the counter. They'd squeeze your cheeks, tell you how cute you were and stuff meatballs in your mouth. And the fatter your cheeks were and the fatter you were, the more it seemed like everybody loved you. And I was soaking it up. I was 300 pounds the summer of eighth grade wearing a 44, 46 waist pant. And I started playing basketball and I just started, there was like something about it. I started going to these classes called Ellie's Way, W-E-I-G-H. It was like upstairs in a mall with all these old ladies and me, this 
ninth grade guy and we'd go in week after week and these ladies would they'd be like sally how'd it go this week and i don't know step on the scale and sally up a pound you know it was like margaret lost a half a pound everybody's clapping you know tina up two and a half pounds what happened this week tina i mean it was just like most people weren't having any success. It was like their hangout. But I was losing big numbers. And so I like became like a celebrity in this group. They just, they loved seeing me. They loved having me. And when it was time for me to get on the scale, like everybody was waiting with anticipation. And I'd get on the scale and they'd say, Chad, down 11 and a half pounds. And the place would like erupt. And I just soaked it in. And I lost a lot of weight fast. I lost like 100 pounds in I don't know how many months, but it, it was fast. And I was playing basketball every day. It was my life. I was playing before school, after school. And I wasn't great. I was on the freshman team. And I think I started, but I wasn't that great. I played all summer long. And my sophomore year, I wanted to make varsity. I felt like I'd done everything I could to make varsity, you know, and I definitely wasn't the most athletic person, but I worked harder than anybody else. So I thought I, w I thought I had a chance. I went out for the varsity team. I didn't make it. I was devastated. Two other sophomores made it, which made it even worse. And I was furious and determined to show them. I was going to show them. I didn't know how, but I was going to show them. The first JV game of the year, I went out and scored 55 points, which was enough to get the newspapers and the radios intrigued. And they came out, and shortly after, I was moved up to varsity and pretty much rode the bench the rest of the season. By the summer of sophomore year, I was insane. I carried my basketball everywhere I went, into the grocery store, to every class, I wore ankle weights put together underneath my clothes and would only take them off on game day. I'd wear these shoes called the strength shoes with these big toe platforms on them. It was supposed to help increase your vertical jump. I would wear these glasses with lids underneath the eyes so that you couldn't see below your neck. So when you're dribbling, you know, ball becomes part of you. You have to have a feel for it. And my junior year... I started, but I, I wasn't the best player on the team, but I was close and I was gaining on all the people that were great athletes because I worked harder than everybody else. And now I'm shooting 500 free throws a day. I'm getting up at four in the morning. I'm playing till dark. I'm shoveling the walks in the winter to be able to play and basketball is my life. Senior year comes and I'm the best player on the team. I'm going to De downtown Detroit almost every day, playing in some really sketchy places with some of the most unbelievable basketball players I've ever seen. I mean, these guys, there were guys that would be in the pros if anybody knew about them. You know, they just drop out of school. I don't know, in elementary school. And then there was this church called the St. Cecilia 
you go into St. Cecilia and you'd see these grandmas sitting in the stands with their kids who dropped out of school, their grandsons. And from time to time, that's where the pros be in town. They would come play at St. Cecilia Gym. So I played against and seen Chris Weber, Derek Coleman, Jalen Rose. They'd all come through there. And I'd get very, I hardly would get a chance to play because nobody wanted the little white boy from the suburbs. And when I would get a chance to play, if I didn't do everything perfect, I wouldn't see the court again for a long time. But I would sit there all day long and just wait for that opportunity to be right. And when I'd get a chance, you know, the only thing I could do against these guys with athletic ability, like I don't even know where, you know, it comes from, was shoot from long range. And every once in a while I'd get hot and then, you know, I'd kind of get celebrated a little bit. I get to keep playing or they'd pick me up next time. My basketball coach was my math teacher my senior year, was my independent study teacher. And as many classes as I could take under him, I took. And I would skip school every day and go down to St. Cecilia Gym and play against these guys. And then when I'd come back to the suburbs, I would dominate. And I knew I was dominating, and I loved it. I loved it. Senior season shows up, and our high school is ranked in the state for the first time in school history. I'm the best player on the team, and life is going exactly as I wanted it to. We're 12-0, and so we got off to a great start. And we're playing a Detroit team on our 13th game. It'd be the best team we'd played so far. And I don't really know how to explain it, but I was a huge trash talker. I mean, everywhere I went, people wanted to hurt me. They wanted to beat me up. They wanted to take me out. Like, I got under people's skin. And now I was backing it up on the basketball court. The gym was packed. There were police all over. We get on the court. It's a great game. We get to the end of the game. And what was it? We were down two. Down two. I was the point guard. Coach calls a timeout and says, okay, we'll get the ball into Chad. Chad, get to the basket, get two points, and get this game to overtime. Okay, yeah. Hands in, break. Yeah, we go out to the court. Ball gets inbounded, and I'm dribbling up near half court. I know where the guy who's guarding me's parents are sitting on the sideline, and I look over and tell the guy's mom that I'm about to make her son look bad once again. The husband's trying to get up. The police are holding him back. I'm laughing, think this is hilarious. Coach is screaming because I'm still standing at the top of the key, and I'm not doing what we were supposed to do. As the clock started winding down later than it was supposed to be, I started making my move to the basket. I started heading to the, to the basket and then I stepped back to shoot the three-point shot. The ball's in the air. It's for the win to go 13-0 and and be Mr. Basketball and the ball hit the back of the rim and never went through the net. 
The gym erupted. Everybody rushed the court. Police rushed the court. They surrounded me and my team. People were trying to get in. They were taunting us. I was in shock. Our team was in shock. We go in the locker room. Everything's quiet. The police have to escort us to the bus. I don't remember much of that day. What I do remember is the next day in practice when the coach said, okay, Chad on the line, everybody else on the side. Now, this was something we did at the end of practice. We'd do sprints, you know, where we'd all get on the line. Today, he said, Chad on the line, everybody on the side. And he proceeded to run me until I passed out. As I kind of came back to, my buddy was running over to me, and I heard him say, Eli, if you help him, you're off the team too. I remember hearing, you're off the team too. My buddy helps me up. I mean, it's stupid now when I look back, but I went over to his clipboard. There was some ice there. I took the ice and crushed it up in his clipboard with his practice plan or whatever. He came over, shoved me against the bleachers. I took a swing at him. He was 6'7", so I was swinging up high. And that was the end of that day and somehow i mean this is a long time later so but somehow in my head i said screw you guys you guys need me you know how bad you need me you guys will be nothing without me and then i was like i'll show you and i quit the team everybody thought it was like a fluke or something like it was i was bluffing or the newspaper started writing chad ratliff didn't show up to whatever game and what many thought was going to be you know a couple bad weeks turned into the coach and my parents trying to get me back on the team the team losing game after game after game. And finally, the newspapers are writing that Chad Ratliff quit for personal reasons. The Division I scholarships that I had lined up were pulled back. I started doing hallucinogenics, eating mushrooms and taking acid and watching the team lose their next 12 games straight. I, about, I don't know, maybe... A month or two later, I was expelled from high school. My parents, who my mom, who always believe in me, didn't believe that I was doing drugs. And I said, "Mom, you know, I'm these. I don't know why they're doing this to me." And she had to, she got an attorney, and somehow she got me back in school. It was dramatic how I got to the finish line, but I somehow graduated. And three days after I graduated high school, I took a one-way ticket to Boulder, Colorado. That started a journey of traveling the United States and the world. My dog and I hit 48 of the United States, lived in many of them. I hit 30 to 40 countries overseas. I was cleaning chicken coops in the desert in New Mexico, driving shuttle buses in Israel, I did cement in islands off of Greece. I bartended in the Czech Republic. I got strangled unconscious in Tunisia, Africa, left for dead. 
in the alley. And when they stole my money, they broke my ribs. They poured alcohol all over me. So I was trying to get out of the country. I had long hair at that point. My eyes were bloodshot red from losing the oxygen to my brain. And I smelled, I mean, I just looked like a junkie. Um, and I was, I pretty much was. It was a miracle how I got out of the country. A lady actually slipped me a ticket to the north of Italy, a plane ticket, because there were no collect calls and I didn't have any money and I didn't have any credit cards. So I had no way of getting a hold of anybody. I was in the airport. It was the first time I ever to beg for food to survive. Um, I had to dig in trash cans. Anyway, I got to the north of Italy. I made my way back to the United States. I said, you know what? It's time to build some roots. It's time to establish something. The best place I'd been in the United States was Santa Barbara. And I bought a van and I headed out to Santa Barbara where I've now been for 20 some years. I didn't settle down right away. I partied and was crazy, tried to go back to college, tried to get some credits, never got anywhere with that. And then I met a girl. I met a girl. And we had five kids within six years. And I think that we're going to make that part two of my story. So this is kind of my story up to the kid point. And I'm going to tell you the rest of it on the next episode. And then that's the last time I'm going to leave the story forever. But this next part of the story is pretty wild. It's pretty far out. Let's see if I can give you some enticing points so that, well, we have the five kids within six years. We, we're going to talk about special needs coming from it. We're going to talk about getting married to the family that was issued the first land grant in California history called the Dominguez. My kid's middle name is Dominguez. So there's a lot that gets tied in around there that's funny and creepy and evil and gnarly. And we're going to get to the present day where I'm a single father of these five kids within six years of age and two with special needs, living a completely transformed life where I wake up every day excited to be alive, excited for what's unfolding. So anyway, thanks for listening. I'll be back with the next episode next week and we'll finish my story so I can start telling you about the things that have just flipped my life upside down in the best way possible. All right. Take care, y'all. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show 
where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. Thank you.